Welcome into the Horror Judge Podcast. My name's Phil. And I'm Stacy. And this is a podcast devoted to reviewing and breaking down horror movies, both new and old, good and downright fucking terrible with me, somebody who loves horror movies and always has. And me, who married into it. And we're still a relatively new podcast, and with that being said, if you enjoyed today's show, please make sure to subscribe, share it with your friends to help us grow, but really the best way that you can help us out is by dropping a review, uh, no matter where it is that you listen to this takes you about five seconds truly helps us get uh more ears on this podcast and it's very very much appreciated we're on all the socials facebook horror uh facebook twitter instagram all those things at the horror's edge is the best way to get in contact with is the dms are always open but we're always posting on there so if we post something about an episode that we're about to do let us know what you think of it uh see if you after you listen to it if you have a differing opinion from us or uh, maybe what type of factors brought your opinion there for you. Maybe you have some type of nostalgic thing for it, and that's why it's a little bit higher for you. Or maybe uh, there's some reason why you hate this film compared to why we love it. would love to hear it. The whole point of this is to have some type of conversation, so get in contact with us for that. Uh, and today we are going to be discussing uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. This is a movie from 2016. I don't think that it got a whole lot of hype when this movie was coming out. Uh, I did hear of it um, when it was in theaters, but I didn't go to see it. I uh, never saw a trailer for it. Absolutely nothing about it. When it was on, uh, I believe on Netflix, probably about five years ago, I ended up watching it. And uh, without spoiling anything about it, was pleasantly surprised, specifically with certain parts of the movie. And then start enjoying again. Um, so, have you ever heard of this movie at all? No. Okay. Uh, that, that That's what I fully expected. Have you heard of Cloverfield? Yes. Have you seen Cloverfield? I think I never finished the entire movie, but I've seen the beginning. I think that would be a movie that you hate spe- specifically for the camera work. In, and it's very much a uh, first person person holding the camera and running around so there's a lot of shakiness and all that stuff so you hate those movies yes and you're actually about to experience the Blair Witch Project for the first time tonight which is going to be next week's episode I'm very excited for you to watch that one <laughs> that was my first true scare as a kid and I'll I'll get into that once we get into this podcast but Cloverfield is a movie that uh I saw in theaters there was a lot of hype going around this movie kind of like a a home video shot Godzilla type movie and man it was a lot of fun so going into this one I was definitely looking forward to it after I found out about it um but then I heard something about it has little ties if any to the previous Cloverfield and uh that, that was going to be my first question off. is it related to Cloverfield so I don't want to get into anything until we're in the spoilers discussion for that um, I really don't have the true answer. I didn't dig deep into the trivia for this, and I didn't want to because I wanted to have solely my own opinions on this when I was doing this podcast. Makes sense. Um, but I believe there are some, but we'll get into that once we get there. Um, I, I had a really good time with this movie, so let's jump right in. First off, any time that I see John Goodman, there's really only two things that I ever think of. The first one being the old uh, 90s show, Roseanne. 
Did you watch this one when it was live? Never. Never okay. seen an episode. Gotcha. This was a... It was a very popular show back in the uh, 90s. John Goodman was pretty funny, and he was your quirky guy. It was almost like uh, Married with Children, but more of a uh, like mainline type approach to it. Uh, it was okay, but it was huge. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. Second thing that comes to mind is this. Hey, Doc. Eat your food, mister. All right, if you don't want it, put it in your napkin. Peter, put it in your napkin. Put it in your napkin. I'm not gonna... You know, some people would be very happy to have this food, like John Goodman's family. Please, Daddy. I told you, when I'm finished, you can have what's left. There won't be any left. There's never any left. Happy Thanksgiving! <laughs> uh, uh, I, I don't know why that is so funny to me, but it's a 30-second Family Guy clip that lives forever in my mind, rent-free. It's funny because those are your two John Goodman things, and number one for me is Sully from Monsters, Inc. Oh, that's him? That is him. Okay. <laughs> Never funny you didn't know that. that. Nope. And then he was in a movie, Coyote Ugly. He was the dad to Violet. I've seen bits and pieces of that movie, and it got awful. Um, <laughs> he was also in Arachnophobia, which brought a new level of fear of spiders to me as a kid, which they're going to be doing a remake of. I'm shocked you didn't know that he was Sully. That is probably one of his most popular animated... Now that I think about it, it, it the voice sounds like him. I, I just need to see the big guy. When I see the big guy, then, okay, it makes connection. I guess that it makes more of a connection. Uh, I think Sully's nickname is Big Guy in the Monsters movie, but w whatever. Um, so he's a very, very well-known, very well-recognized actor. There really isn't anybody else well-known in this. It's one of those movies where it's supposed to be about claustrophobia. Uh, so there aren't going to be many people inside of this uh movie however ben's voice is actually played by bradley cooper which is pretty neat really yeah over the phone uh you have mary winstead as michelle never heard of her and john gallagher jr as Emmett. so relatively <laughs> i think gallagher i think of uh shameless yeah <laughs> yeah smashing uh watermelons no shameless oh Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so, let's jump right into the rating of this. Keep in mind, we're going to stay spoiler-free to start, and then we'll jump into full spoilers after we do this. Uh, so, the way that we review things is the way many people review things, 1 through 10. 1 being dog shit terrible, 10 being absolutely amazing, everybody needs to see this, and 5, it's okay. What do you think of this? So, I gave it a rating of a 6 for the, the purpose of... I had a lot of questions and I was very confused during parts of the movie and I feel that maybe as we discuss maybe things will click a little bit better for me but as my first watch through it wasn't a terrible movie but it wasn't phenomenal it it's right down the middle for me it's a six it yep. was enjoyable it had me um, in suspense the acting was great the the plot and the story was good it just i was confused 
Okay. So this is very much a movie of two halves for me, where one half is so much far and away better than the second half, and I have... When I get spoilers, I'll break into that more. But as a whole, this movie is a 7 out of 10 for me. I really enjoy it. It's not phenomenal, uh, but it is very good. Um, the acting in it, uh, when you only have three main actors, the acting has to be tremendous throughout yes. the entire film. They did a really good really job, good job. Uh, making you feel the emotions that you would probably feel if you were in their shoes. Yep. Um, the premise of the movie, awesome absolutely awesome the whole time you're questioning is this guy full of shit is he telling the truth yes does he just think he's telling the truth and like there's so many different turns that the movie takes throughout you're going through this journey with them you're feeling horrible for uh michelle he you got emmett who's a little bit of a comic relief throughout but also you feel really bad for him as well and Howard, at first, you think this guy is the biggest piece of shit on earth, and then you start feeling sympathetic towards him, and then you start, like, keep going back and forth. Like, how do we feel about Howard yes. throughout this movie? Yes. And they do such a good job storytelling to get you to where you need to get to. And with it being such a confined space, that's difficult to keep your attention for as long as this movie was, which I think it was over an hour and a half. Uh, let me see we rented it that. from the library, so it's that's how we watched it. Movies, uh, hour and 43 movies. Hour and 43 movies. Hour and 43 minutes. Um, the movie did very well. It was budgeted at about $15 million, ended up grossing 110 so wow. uh, very, very well for itself. Um, I don't wonder how much of that came solely off of the buzz of Cloverfield and how much of that was from what the movie was to begin with, but it's rated very highly. It's a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, which is very good. I don't know if this would truly be considered a horror film until you get to certain parts. Uh, feels more of a suspense thriller type of deal than it does horror. But, uh, I mean, even the poster says monsters come in many forms. Yeah. John Goodman is a monster in this movie. That's what they portray him as, and a sympathetic one, which is the scariest type. Um, Very relatable. Yep, so let's get into spoilers, because there's a lot of this movie that I really want to break down and uh, see what your thoughts of them were. So, full spoiler warning, we are going to break down this movie bit by bit. If you haven't seen it yet, very good movie. I'm sure it's on all the video on-demand places right now. We went to the library to rent it. Uh, this movie deserves your $4 or whatever the cost is to rent. Yep. So highly, highly recommend it. So before we even jump in beat by beat, let's dive right into the end because that's where this movie divides. When you find out that there are aliens, <laughs> um worm aliens to be specific uh going with what they were saying what did you think of that turn and what it did for the story because you did not see that coming the entire time watching this movie correct no i i thought that howard that um john goodman was like keeping them down there for no reason i thought that there was no threat um, so it definitely threw me for a loop, but then I remembered that Cloverfield, I only saw like 
very little bit, and I remember that it had, I think, aliens. So then that made sense at the end. Yeah. Um, it, it felt to me that ending like the movie Nope. That's what I compared it to. Yeah. And granted, Nope was recent and this was not. Um, I, I was disappointed, honestly. Um, because I was very confused of why there was so much, like, heaviness of, like, kind of the back and forth story with Howard of, like, is he telling the truth? Is he not telling the truth? So for them to kind of, I guess, like, throw that part away didn't make sense for me. But they also didn't because uh, throughout the entire film he was talking about his daughter um, and how she's not with us anymore, but... Um, he loved her dearly, and here's a picture of my daughter. Uh, what was her name? Start with an M. Megan. Megan. This is Megan. This is my daughter. Well, he brought. This was another person from the town, and he obviously brought this person to the bunker Brittany. previously. Brittany. Yes, her actual name was Brittany, but he called her Megan. That uh, wasn't his daughter. No, See, because that's... you remember the part where he. She uh, showed the picture to Emmett, and Emmett's like, that's not Megan, this is Brittany. Uh, so he brought Brittany into the bunker for God knows how long, and she obviously died because she tried uh, escaping. She's the one who wrote help. That yeah. that was cut from the inside of the glass. Right. Uh, so that's where it lost me, because behind. I thought that Megan had... Like, that whole story where Megan was taken away by the mom in a divorce, whatever. So I thought he kidnapped Brittany to kind of, like, play that role as Megan. Like, I, I knew when the picture was shown, it Emmett found out it was Brittany. I thought Megan was actually his daughter that had gone away, so he was trying to replace her. Well, yeah, that that very well could, could be the case, and that's exactly what I think as well, that... Uh, the Navy kind of messed him up. He had a kid when he was in it, Megan, and the, the wife took the kid away. And then he kidnapped the person. So what what I'm getting at is Howard truly is a psychopath that yes. takes people down into this bunker. So once that twist came in that you found out that Megan wasn't uh, his daughter and that it was a person that he brought in the picture that he was showing, yes. then that's where we should have been going with this movie and ending because the idea of cloverfield could have stuck with monsters come in many forms i love that absolutely love it john goodman is the perfect fucking monster in this movie everything yes. about his character from start to finish it is so good how unhinged he got when uh michelle touched emmett's hand awesome absolutely awesome how uh, OCD he was about everything how much he truly believed in what he was doing as far as building the bunker being a prepper but then having the twist that he wasn't truly doing it to be a prepper he was doing it to kidnap people Yeah, probably because his wife left him with his kid so he wanted to be a father so he kidnapped people to become their father yeah because that, that's what I thought all along um, when Michelle showed up I thought that he was holding her hostage and then they kind of were like no he's not um he like ended up telling her like yeah i i brought you down here and you know um just to to keep you safe because i was like in such a 
fuzz with everything that was going on. So then I breathed a sigh of relief and was like, wow, he's not really that big of a dick. So um, that sigh of relief came when Emmett uh, was talking to Michelle about halfway through the movie. He's like, oh, no, that that that's real. That really happened. I saw it. I yeah. saw the explosions, the lights. I saw all of that. And my arm is broken because I broke it trying to get in here. Yeah. Um, Howard didn't want me to come in, but he let me in. So what ended And you up can happening... feel that tension of Howard versus Emmett. You can feel that Howard really only wanted Michelle there. He never wanted Emmett there. Yeah. And you can feel that from the beginning of the movie, it's very tense when they talk versus when he talks to Michelle. Yep, absolutely. Um, so let's dive into a little bit of beat-by-beat uh, beat throughout this movie. I, I wrote a ton of notes, so many more than I normally write um, for these movies, but I felt like there were so many cool little things going on yeah, and things that uh, Howard specifically was doing, but Michelle had so many good parts in this as well. So the opening of this movie is Michelle just rapidly packing, leaving her house, uh... She's breaking up with her, I'm guessing, fiancé. Um, doesn't quite say. She calls him a boyfriend later on. But either way, leaves the house, uh, house keys, leaves the wedding ring on the table, drives away. This entire opening scene is completely quiet as far as her. She's muted out. It's just like yeah. calming music playing I think in the that background. was such a cool way to do it because it's... It's not important to have the words or to hear the dialogue, but just her acting, um, the scene out, that's what was important. I thought they did a really great job. And the shots that they were having uh, as she was driving away, I mean, we've been over this on several podcasts. This is way overused. But seeing it in a farm-type setting, awesome. Absolutely yeah. love it. It's farm slash woods, and it has these huge, huge like drone shots of the car driving through these woods with nothing yes. around. Yes. And there's even a part where uh, she's at the gas station, so she's driving all night. She's filling up her car to gas station, and a truck pulls up behind her, and she just gets very tense, very nervous, paying close attention to her surroundings. Yeah. And apparently all that doesn't matter because... Uh, on the radio, there's a little thing that if you're really listening, you can catch it. You probably didn't. But they were talking about, uh, like, entire sections of the southeast coast having blackouts. blackouts. Uh, and a whole bunch of areas having blackouts. So something big is happening. And then she takes her eyes off the road for a second, gets slammed by a car, and then... Uh, that was an awesome scene. The car um, car crash scene... I think it was filmed perfectly. Yeah. You felt like you were in the car, but not like with necessarily motion sickness feeling. But the way that it was filmed, you got outside shots, you got inside shots of the car spinning. I think they did that really well. Yeah. I really enjoyed that opening. That was followed up with a pretty cool, simple title card. Just had Cloverfield, and then yep. uh, it turned into the, uh, the lines coming out. And making 10 and laying on the bottom. Uh, very neat little title card. I love seeing it. So Michelle, she wakes up chained by an ankle brace to a cot in an underground cell. There's an IV in her arm and her head is just banged the fuck up. Uh, she can see her cell phone on the other side of the room, but she can't reach it. She ends up getting her uh, IV pole. Long story short, no cell reception. So they weren't trying to hide the phone from her because they knew you couldn't use, you, that. You couldn't use it anyway. Yeah. It's just there. 
I liked um, how they hinted at where she might have been in the hospital. It was very subtle in the beginning where you see the IV, you see kind of hospital sheets on her, and then slowly the camera pulls back to show that she's in a, uh, a like a basement dungeon um, chained up around the kneecap. Um, which right away was like red flags for me. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> right away I panicked. The door is like a door to a vault. Yep. Um, so Howard comes in, opens up the vault door, gives Michelle some food, and she's obviously freaked the fuck out. Yeah. And uh, he tells her he's going to keep her alive and then leaves. Damn. Yeah, I liked how... <laughs> It was like a, this, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? That suspense through the entire movie, but specifically that first scene, really set the scene so well because you're like, wait a minute. He's telling her he's going to keep her safe. He has food for her. Yeah. Like, if he really wanted to torture her or whatever, there's many ways that you could do it. Yeah. Um, you obviously wouldn't feed the person. And it, it was good-looking food. It wasn't just, like, scraps. It was, like, a homemade meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he came in there, he came in there with crutches as well for her. Yeah. Um, and as he was walking away, she's yelling out, you know, my boyfriend knows where I am. He's looking for me. And he just stops and doesn't even look over his shoulder. He just says, I'm sorry. No one is looking for you. Yeah. And he tosses her the key to the chain so that way she can unchain herself and Michelle, while she's in there by herself, she's whittling the wood down, just like scratch at a time to turn her crutches basically into a spear. And she hides behind the door waiting for Howard to come back. And she's waiting for fucking ever. And he's yeah. just not coming back. So she's smart. She uh, sets one of her sheets on fire, puts it in the exhaust. Then the fire alarms start com- going off. So Howard runs in. And she goes to attack with the crutch, but obviously her leg's messed up, so she misses, and Howard just puts her on her ass with a needle full of something, knocking her out. Um, So he's there in the room with her, waiting for her to wake up, and then explains the situation to her. He's like, hey, you should be thanking me. You're lucky. Uh, Something happened, some type of attack. I'm not sure if it's chemical. I'm not sure if it's nuclear. And I found you, and I saved you. Um, He explained, because of the fallout, she's like, well, I guess, thank you, so I'll go now. He's like, "Yeah, you can't leave. Due to the fallout, you need to wait until it's done. That can take anywhere from one to two years at best. Right. That's if it was the Koreans. If it was the Chinese, they have all types of better stuff than that, and we could be waiting ten times as long. He's telling her, everybody outside of here is dead and there's some banging going on outside the room and howard just freaks the fuck up freaks the fuck out and leaves the room to yell at the other person so you you now know that there's a third person involved in this and i think up until that point he didn't say who his name was he just he like casually says it as he's walking out the room to go talk to emmett he goes by the way i'm howard yeah so at that point she's like what the fuck yeah, you can very much tell this guy doesn't have regular communication no, with people. No, he doesn't have people skills. And his people skills are not all that high. But he wants to have them. You can tell that he cares about people. Yeah. Um, it's kind of that awkwardness of he keeps repeating himself um, to to Michelle, saying, like, I saved your life. Like, you should be grateful. And he repeats that 
many times throughout the movie. So you get this like image that he is a good guy. He's just trying to look out for her. Obviously something happened. He's trying to take care of her for whatever reason. You don't know that reason yet, but you get this sense of like, maybe he is a good guy and he only kind of chained her up to get her well enough that like if she understood the situation she would appreciate it yep so after he leaves the room um michelle can hear some weird noises coming from above it almost sounds like cars or aircraft or something like that something's up above making a bunch of noise and she instantly knows that because if there's some type of fallout then why are there people up there right um so this whole place is a uh, prepper's paradise. Yeah. So she walks out of this room and you just eat shelves and shelves and shelves of food that's going to last forever. Um, they have all types of stuff. Uh, he, he even has uh, aquariums to keep things fresher inside of there. Uh, it, it's amazing how much preparation he's done inside of here. Yeah. To where you can legitimately live down here for several years and you'll be fine. Yeah, and he explains, like, I have the nicest of stuff. I have an air purifier, whatever, air contamination, um, whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. Uh, purifier. Yes. So to make sure that the air is fine for them to breathe for many years. Yeah, so... This is where she uh, gets introduced to Emmett. Emmett's sitting down, and they have a long conversation kind of about their backstories. Uh, Emmett kind of introduces himself in an awkward way. He gives her a story about uh, Running college. track, yeah. Uh, he was a track star and ended up getting a full-ride scholarship to a very big school, but he's never left the town and was scared to leave, was scared that he would just be too stupid, fail out of school, and fail. Yeah. So he just didn't catch the bus and never went, and that's how he introduced herself. And then she's like, yeah, well, I was fucking kidnapped, so yeah. <laughs> you weren't? Because yeah. I was, Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. And she, he's, she was saying, Howard gave me some bullshit story about a uh, fallout. And he's like, oh, no, that's real. This is where he tells her that yeah. he saw all of it. So this just makes her go, how much of this is true then? Right. Uh, did this really happen? It, like, this, if it did, this is a very, very uh, convenient thing for me to be down here. Um, so Howard has fucking everything in here. He's got a TV, DVDs, VHSs, board games. He's got a jukebox yeah. Filled with CDs. He has literally everything that he can want. But the family heirloom table. Yeah, you make sure keep a coaster on it. You put a coaster and a placemat <laughs> because, God forbid, you'd have a stain on that. Yep. Which, later on, it doesn't matter because they use the table for something else. So Howard is basically putting them on a bathroom schedule and tells Michelle it's her time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and there's only one bathroom in the place. and It's in Howard's it's room. It's in Howard's room. You cannot be in Howard's room without permission. And there is no door in Howard's room. So he needs to stand in there with you while you're going through the bathroom. The only thing that you get is a uh, rubber curtain. Ducky. Rubber ducky curtain. Yeah. Howard the duck. Um, <laughs> so that's the weirdest shit. And yeah, he keeps and saying it. It's not like I'm a creep or anything. Like, he says it so many times that you're like, okay, that's what a creep would say. Right. Like, 
her hesitation to kind of go along with this, I, I can sympathize with that. How weird would it be to be down in a bunker, two guys, one guy is saying, yeah, this other guy, he's legit. Like, this really did happen. But, yeah, you have to pee in front of me and do all your business with just a shower curtain. But yeah. I'm going to stand right here. But I'm but, not a creep. And also, how do you know Emmett isn't in on well, right. it with uh, Howard the right. whole time? Because it can be so convincing to be like, yeah, I saw it too. Like, right. I'm down here with you, but I saw it. Right. Um, so. It, it plays very well in that aspect of you really don't know and you question it through almost the entire movie of is Emmett planted down there? Yep. And there's another convenient plot point there when uh, Emmett is talking to Michelle and she was talking about how she's in this dungeon-looking room and he's like, yeah, well, at least you have a door. I'm not even in a bedroom. So you can tell right there, Emmett was not meant to be in here. Right. Period. Um so as Howard's showing him around, there's a whole bunch of magazines, including girl magazines. And he's like, oh, yeah, those were Megan's. Megan is not with us anymore. And then he ends the conversation. And I said, who the fuck is Megan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who is she? Later. And why do we need to know about this Megan? <laughs> yeah, well, my initial thought was not nah, who the fuck is Megan. It's, oh, shit, that was the last person who died in the bunker. Yeah. That was clearly my first thought. Yeah. Um, and Howard's going on and on about how people think he's crazy. And he says this awesome line. And it's, uh, crazy is building your ark after the flood already came. I, damn. Yeah. <laughs> Can't argue with that. No. Can't argue with it. But that's uh, all the preppers in the world are clapping for him right there. <laughs> uh, so, uh Howard says something like, hey, I think that's about time you met Frank and Mildred. And I believe that those are their names. That's that the names. I could be wrong. And he takes her... Uh, Which, by up- the way, I thought for sure those were not going to be what I thought they were going to be. I <laughs> thought it was going to be something else. So when you say who it is, I'll explain what I thought it was. Yeah. So they take him up to the entrance of the bunker. There are like fucking six different locks on there, each one with a different key. And John is the only, or I keep calling him John. Howard is the only one with the keys to these locks. Uh, So he says, this is the only thing that I got close enough to an airlock. It's not perfect, but it's pretty damn close. So he opens the first door and then it's uh, like a concealment chamber. Then there's another gigantic door to get outside. And when you look outside, there are two pigs out there with their skin just rotting away. So uh, that is who he wanted to show her. So that way she could see these pigs died out there, and it was because of the nuclear fallout. And that's why they look the way that they look. So I thought for sure he was going to show him to show her two dead bodies of human beings. And then after I realized it was pigs, then I thought he he like made it up like he purposely he left them. it there he planted them there so all in my head i'm trying to figure this movie out that's exactly where mine my mind was going and that's where they want you to go but i'm saying like what a cool idea if he did plant them and mm-hmm. that is the story where nothing actually went on and that's his way of like keeping people down there that's what i was thinking I thought that would have been a cool way to do the story. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, all, all this stuff builds these questions in your minds. Obviously, they want you to think, did he plant them out yes. there? And you do. Like you do. This entire 
up until a certain portion of this movie that I mentioned, until the aliens, uh, you are just sitting there and wondering uh, how much of this is true. Like, how how deep is Howard going to try and... uh, which I have to say, I, I like that in a movie where you kind of have to play that game of back and forth of like, are they, they're trying to plant this in your head to make you think of this scenario when really they're going with another scenario. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's, it's fun to second guess what they're trying to tell you to then have it wrapped up in the end. You have it a lot more in murder mystery type of movies yeah. to where they have so many different twists what and turns that, to try. What was that show that we Glass were... Onion yes. is what you're thinking Loved of. Loved it. Um, those are very common to do it. This style of movie typically is not. This style of movie is typically just there to make you go, this guy is His, fucked up. He is crazy. Yep. Um, so uh, Michelle S. Emmerich. Uh, what he knows about Howard. And Howard's like, oh, you know, I've known him for a few years. He used to be in the Navy. He worked on satellites, doing satellite stuff. <laughs> and I was never kidnapped. I broke my arm trying to get in. And Emmerich, this, I must have misspoke before. This is where he explains he yeah. saw the attacks himself. Why he didn't start with that, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't, he doesn't seem like the smartest bulb Uh out there he so like maybe a... he wasn't picking up that she yeah. thought that he was kidnapped as well i don't know yeah but he, um, he gives a lot of good information about howard um being in the navy which you know for a fact that can screw somebody up uh being with a military background um then i thought maybe he was hired to um help set up that's where i started thinking maybe he was planted um but the fact that he helped him build this bunker, Emmett and yep. Howard helped build this bunker, that's when I really started to get in the connection of, like, he has to be in on this. He has to know because he knows all the tricks. He knows all the doors. He knows the locks. He knows because he was, he was there when they did it. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that part of that movie where it really kind of makes you wonder, did they just kidnap this chick to, like, torture her? Yeah. And uh, you can tell throughout this entire conversation, despite what she already knows, Michelle does not believe Howard one bit. No. And then the camera kind of zooms out, and Howard's there listening to the whole conversation, and neither of them know it. And he's like, all right, well, dinner's ready. And he's like, I'm an okay cook. It's going to be pretty good. Megan was a great cook. You're going to be great at cooking, too. Yeah. He has so many of these lines yes. from this movie that I'm just like, that's fucking twisted. I was like, oh my <laughs> god. So he's trying to prepare her to be whoever this Megan chick is. You're my new servant. Yeah. Basically. Uh, that's Emmer- when I was like, this could take a turn for a completely different direction. And I'm not sure I want to watch that type of movie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, while they're at the dinner table, Michelle notices the keys that... Uh, Howard has. I uh, think she that keeps staring at him. Before that, I think um, I think Howard told her about the accident at that point. No. No, he no, did not. No, not yet. Uh, I ha- I made sure to write that down. Pretty sure. Oh, yeah, you're that, right. That was I'm later sorry. on. Okay, sorry. So she My bad. she is planning 
to get these keys from Howard because she now knows how to leave. Yes. Uh, and Emmerich is at the dinner table and joking around, uh, and you can tell as he's joking, Howard's not having it. No. There's no Tom Fulry at his dinner table, period. <laughs> uh, he's talking about getting tattoos. He always wanted one but never did. It's a regret that he has. If he went back, he'd get 50 of them, including Howard, right across his forehead. No, Emmett. Emmett, yeah. Emmett. yeah. <laughs> um, and he's asking Howard if there's anything that he wished that he did. He's like, no, I did everything that I wanted to do to be prepared. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I am. Yeah. I was prepared. And he's getting super pissed and uptight. And Michelle keeps noticing this. So she turns upbeat herself. She wants him to get upset. She wants him to get uh, like that. So she is playing off of Emirate now and asking him past this past this and then she caresses his hand and howard just jumps the fuck up pushes her up against the wall and starts shouting at her you are not going to be touching each other inside of here you will not touch like you will not get close to each other and keeps going back and forth and back and forth and that's and when you really knew Emmett really foiled this plan that howard had because he doesn't he never wanted him there but the fact that michelle might like him and and might turn into something you really got that sense of like holy shit he he is serious he does not want anything unless he preps for it to happen yeah 100 percent. and uh this before they got up uh howard was using his bottle opener to uh open the drinks because obviously they're all prepared um and she ends up getting the keys from him he sits back down and he's talking about being hydrated and goes to grab his keys to pop open another one and realizes as i don't have my keys he goes who has them and then she smacks him in the head with a glass bottle runs away opens up the doors and then it's ready to escape but right as she goes to open the door a lady came up to the door missing skin on her face just like the pegs and she's banging on let me in let me yeah. in just open the fucking door let me in and she doesn't know what to do howard is locked outside she locked him out and uh at this point michelle kind of believes howard yeah she's not a hundred percent sold but pretty close to it and uh she's sitting down in her bed just like broken at this point it because not only was she kidnapped the world's fucked outside the world's ending um and she's with these people that she does not even know whatsoever and howard's in there and he's being very sympathetic to her uh he's despite her beating him the fuck up like deeply cut face yeah uh he's sitting there talking to her and he's like hey i got gotta tell you the truth i gotta come clean i lied to you before i'm the one who crashed into your car i was in a rush because i was speeding to seen... get back here um yeah she she had a flashback that he's the one who hit her she never said that to him no but um, when the lady came up to the window she saw the truck which caused her to have the flashback that realized yeah. yes that was the guy so the fact that now he's now confirming what she believes, yeah. she's she's like, fuck, I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he's saying, hey, it's not like I tried to hit you. Yeah. Um, I was in a rush to get back here because I saw what I saw and I needed to get in my bunker. And because I hit you, I couldn't just leave you there. So I took you with me. Right. Um, Which is the humane thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gives her some clothes and he notes, hey, these were Megan's. 
and then he makes her stitch up his forehead and she's like are you serious i can't do that he's like well you're the one who did the damage so (laughs) uh he distilled his own vodka and then he did this cool little trick where he uh he holds the compressed air can upside down and it basically is instant freeze so he's able to make his vodka cold instantly by spraying the compressed air yeah um and this is where he explains to her megan was my daughter but her mother convinced her that was crazy and brought her away, showed a picture of her, and uh, Michelle and Emma have a little heart-to-heart with each other about their past, and we get a little montage of time uh, at this point, just passing, doing puzzles, like they would all jump yeah. into the puzzles one after another after another. Like a very normal kind of living living there like they all were getting along doing puzzles dinners together movies all that stuff and this is just to tell you some time has exposed yes uh their past uh that it's not like they've only been down there for a day or two so at this point michelle is almost in full trust yeah that what's happening really happened and i'm content now um so emmert says this one line here of uh, Howard doesn't even believe in zombies, but you should hear his story about mutant space worms. <laughs> and that one line comes back at the very end. Um, so <laughs> fucking Howard predicted space worms somehow. <laughs> uh, and at this point they hear some aircraft upstairs. Well, I say upstairs above ground and Howard swears. Well, yeah, that's definitely aircraft. The, whatever the fallout was, it's probably not over. That was just the beginning. But what you're hearing is definitely not United States. They're like, well, how the hell do you know that? He's like, I spent X amount of years in the Navy. Yeah. I would know. Um, Which impressive if you can tell by just a sound that it's not your military. Well, a lot of aircraft have very specific sounds. And I know. If you work on them, you can usually tell. Um, it just was funny that he was like, that's not ours. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have the putt-putt. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, at this point, a alarm starts going off, and Howard's just like, oh, shit, that's not good. Yeah. That's the air filtration system. It's malfunctioning. He's so calm, though. Like, the way that he speaks in, in the chaos, it's... He thinks before he talks. Yeah, like, it's very calculated. Like, the alarm goes off, and he's like... Not, that's not good like yeah the way that he presents himself yeah he doesn't freak out no he stays calm right. cool and collected uh and he he's prepared for this right. he knows exactly what to do if it malfunctions i read the entire manual i know how this thing works up and down yeah uh so what he has to do is open up this uh door to gain access to the air filtration system however it's jammed he can't open it so the only way to get to it is to crawl through the vents which is very uh much like a throwback to aliens where bishop is crawling through the ducting or die hard I where was thinking, bruce wills crawls through yeah the i was ducting gonna say die or, hard but yeah you're right alien yeah that that's the first one that cro- uh, crosses my mind as aliens uh kind of did an alien but not nearly as tight um so somehow i hate how movies have ducting this big the ducting in this uh underground bunker is big enough for a human to crawl through it which no yeah (laughs) maybe for an office building or something that can make sense but like our ducting in here is like six inches wide 
<laughs> a mouse can barely fit through that fucking thing. Uh, but she crawls through in some very narrow, confined spots. Like, it's very claustrophobic on the way in here. But she makes it to the thing. He told her exactly what she needed to do. Swing the handle he, up and down. He was going from room to room, so that way he could see through the vents where she is and ask her how she's doing. Yeah. What progress are you making? And she makes it in there. She resets it. And while she's in there, she notices a ladder going up. So she looks up there, and lo and behold, it's a second exit out of here. And it's bright and sunny. Once again, uh, Howard has a fallback. If I can't get out through here, I'm going to be able to get out through here. But when she goes up to look, um, she can see, like, some scratches on it. So she pushes the door aside, and in there is scratched the word help from an earring. <clears throat> And towards the end, it's bloody. So whoever was scratching it uh, was scratching it for so long and so vigorously that they were rubbing their fingers raw to do it. Yeah. Um, and she ended up finding the earring on the bottom. So these scratches were clearly from the inside and not from the outside. Somebody previous to them was in there. Crazy. Um, and you're watching this and you're just going, Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> So she was talking to Emirate and explained that she found an earring and she recognized the earring right away because of the picture that she showed her. That was Megan's earring. So she's like, I think that uh, Megan is not his daughter. I think that it was somebody that he brought in here. And she showed the picture and he's like, that's not Megan. That's somebody who went missing and was never found a couple years back. Yeah. Um, And she's wearing the same shirt that... She wore in the picture. That yes, um, Michelle is wearing the sh- same shirt that Brittany is wearing in the picture, which <laughs> fucked up. That yeah. is like I would have ripped that shirt off so quickly because I'm like, shit, mm-hmm. that's creepy. It was a uh, Eiffel Tower, and he was making up a story about how she was all about France, everything France. Now she knew that it was Megan's clothing from before. He said right. that, uh, but her previous clothes had to get thrown out because they were contaminated, I believe. Um, so anyway, at this point, Emma and Michelle are both under the interpretation that they need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. The person that they're with is not the person that they thought that he was. So Michelle is back to where she previously was. And now Howard, uh, not Howard, uh, Emmerich's finally on board. Emmett. Yep. So they're going through the, uh, magazines because... Or not magazines, books that he that he has, his prepper books. And inside of there, it's how to make a gas mask and how to make a hazmat suit. So since Michelle previously worked on designing clothing, she knows how to do this type of stuff. So they're going about behind Howard's back, stealing things here and there. Take the scissors, but I got to try and play it off to where you don't see me take... Uh, these bottles out of the disposal and try and not be seen because if Howard sees you mm-hmm. plotting behind his back, he's going to lose his fucking shit. Um, so Howard uh, calls all three of them into the living room and basically says, why are you guys taking shit? Because you took scissors, you took these parts what's going on here i need an answer right the fuck now yeah and uh emmett jumps in real quick and he's like they're mine i 
wanted to make a gun kind of like you have a gun uh, to make her respect me like she respects you. I'm sorry. Makes sense. And Howard's like, I accept your apology. And then shoots him right in the fucking head. Yeah. And. Well, before that, he um, Howard had shown him that barrel of acid. Yeah. He had made them. Uh, like the whole story of how like even if you're a human like this can disintegrate your bones like basically scaring them shitless and that is why Emmett yeah. finally confessed and said it was for me because he didn't want um, Michelle to take the blame and go into the acid. Yeah. Um, so he shoots her in the head and it's a pretty cool scene to where it gives like the uh, ringing uh, the, the ringing that you would have in your ears of a gun being shot in an enclosed place. But Howard's still talking to her, like trying to call Michelle like, hey, it's okay. Emmett needed to go. He wasn't meant for this. Yeah. This is not the right situation. Now it's just me and you. And he's trying to comfort her, but she's just like blown the fuck away. Like, dude, get away from me. Right. <laughs> uh, and... She continues on with her plan at this point. But he makes it better because after he shoots Emmett, he brings her ice cream. Yeah. Have an ice cream in a bowl like Megan likes, or do you want it in a cone? Because she didn't like it in a cone because it was too messy. And they were going to have dinner, but he's like, since Emmett's not here, now we can do whatever we want. You want to have dessert first? Here, let me make it up to you. Like It was Emmett that was holding us back. Yeah, like he was trying to play Emmett as the bad guy or whatever i just it was such a an awesome scene to where you had the most horrific thing that she's probably ever witnessed and he comes right back with ice cream like nothing ever happened like it's fine we'll figure this out let's let's move on yeah it it just made me laugh because who the hell doesn't like ice cream after a bad day yeah and from here uh howard as he's trying to consult with her uh, he goes to walk away, and then one of the screws from the vent fall out. And she's like, yeah, it's been doing that. I don't know what's going on. I just keep pushing it back in. He reaches in there, doesn't feel anything. You can see the gas mask that's in there. Yeah. But she added a little bit deeper to where he can't reach it. Right. And he goes to leave, but then he sees underneath her bed. Mattress. The, uh, underneath the mattress, the hazmat suit that she's been making. And he, he yells at her, get the fuck up. Yeah. He he knows something's up at this point. She's hiding something from him. Why are you hiding something from me? So she uh, locks Howard in the room, knocks a whole bunch of shit down, and then starts running towards uh, the door. And as she's running, she sees that bat of acid with chopped up Emmett inside yes. of it. Yes. So gross. So he was burning Emmett's body. In the acid, so that way they Nobody can continue would right. on, just like they always do. And uh, Howard makes it out of the room, starts chasing her, and he's like, this is what you give me. This is what you give. No, this is what I give you. And then she kicks the acid over oh, and it knocks him God. in face first into the acid. Uh, and he's just laying in there, and it also hits the lamp, so it starts this big electrical fire. So Howard got up, but he's badly, badly burnt. He looks like Two-Face at this point. Uh, and she's able to get away from him, crawls through the ducting to get away. And Howard's attacking her through the ducts as she's going through. Like, the knives are stabbing through, and he's trying to kill her so that way she can't get away. Uh, 
and she makes it to the filtration room, puts the hazmat suit on, and uh, freezes the lock via the trick that he showed her and smashes it off. She makes it outside really fucking quickly, rips her uh, hazmat suit, and tapes it up. She's freaking the fuck out because she still believes that outside of this thing is uh, radioactive. But then she hears birds chirping. And she looks up and she sees a flock of geese flying. Yeah. And she's like, well, if there is this fallout, all these birds are going to be dead. There's no way that they would live through it. So she takes off her hazmat, uh, the gas mask, and she can breathe just fine. Um, And this is where the movie takes its turn. If that was the last beat of that movie... This would be closer to a 10, maybe a 9. I was going to say, I, I really thought that was going to be the ending, and I would have been happy with it, because up to that point, I wasn't as confused. Yep. It's after this that I'm like, where did I miss some of the story? Because yep. I enjoyed up until that point, and it was making sense, because I'm thinking, okay, so he lied. He he either set it up, or something happened to where it, it's not a, in danger anymore. They must have outlived whatever the danger was that made sense to me once we get to this point i got so lost so please enlighten me because then maybe i can figure out what happened yeah so she gets out and then she keeps hearing those noises out in the distance and she sees some type of aircraft up in the sky and it's not like any aircraft that you've ever seen. Kind of looks like a UFO. Mm-hmm. And it starts coming towards her. And then, boom, big explosion behind her. The explosion was uh, basically all the gases and stuff down in the bunker hitting the fire. And, boom, blows up. Uh, and that noise attracted the aircraft. So the aircraft starts coming towards her. And then you see things fall out of the aircraft. Um and then you see tentacles like come out of the aircraft so it's not an aircraft it's actually some type of flying thing and it approaches her and shoots this green mist mist out and she quickly grabs the gas mask and i'm assuming that mist is what makes your skin melt Mm -hmm. like the pigs like the lady who showed up at the door but uh so she was fine throughout that but it also dropped like these space worm alien things um (laughs) that would attack and uh she ends up making it out she gets into a truck but then this is where you find out the spacecraft is really some type of living organism and it sucks up the truck to try and eat it and the bottle of booze that she had at the very beginning of the movie that john goodman uh or howard actually took uh, he left it in his truck. She made a Molotov cocktail out of it, threw it inside of the thing, and it blew it up, uh, killing it. And she got into the car because she had the keys from the lady, and she was able to drive away. And as she's driving out, we find out that this house is 10 Cloverfield Lane. And as she's driving, she's searching her radio, and here's a broadcast on the AM network telling her there is a safe haven inside of Baton Rouge and she's already on her way there. Or if you have combat experience, uh, 
you can go to Houston to help join the fight. We're close to winning this fight, but we need more people to be able to beat this thing. And she reaches the fork, like she reverses real quick and reaches a fork in the road. And you can tell to get to Houston, you have to make a left to go to Baton Rouge. You go straight. Houston's to fight. Baton Rouge is a safe haven. She turns left to help join the fight. And as she's driving towards the fight, the lightning flashes and it shows another huge alien ship in the distance. Credits roll. So... How I think there's some type of extraordinarily loose connection is inside of the first Cloverfield movie. Now, it's been years since I've seen Cloverfield. Um, I have to be in the right state of mind to watch it because it is very shaky and that can mess with your stomach. Um, But the Cloverfield monster would drop these little monsters off of it. So I think... The thought process could be the little monsters, the space worm things that it's dropping could be something that turns into something like a Cloverfield monster. So maybe they eradicated most of them, but not all of them. And one of them turned into the Cloverfield monster. I I don't know. They, They probably really have no connections other than monsters. And that's it of some variety. But that's the movie. Um, two extraordinarily different movies. Yes. I don't know if they made the right decision of putting that ending in there. I know that they wanted to, so they weren't going to hear no. But sometimes you have such a good thing that you should just stop it right there. And don't put your twist on it that you love. Man, (laughs) it was such a good good movie that last little bit is where i really got confused and i thought maybe i missed something like during the course of the movie that i should have picked up on and that's why in the beginning i said i was very lost and i gave it a six because it was it was the ending that really threw me for a loop once she escaped i was like okay so then you could play it off and in those different scenarios that we had spoken on and yeah, I, I, I'm still a little like confused of why they put that at the end. Yeah, I don't know. Um, now that I'm on my second watch of it, I don't mind it. I really don't. Um, because it, it adds a very cool sci-fi-like twist to the movie. Yeah. Of while you were right no matter what you thought. Yeah. If you were thinking from the beginning that there was something crazy going on outside of this bunker, you were right. Right. If you were in the mindset of John Goodman as a monster, you were right. Yeah. Uh, so no matter I mean, it, what, it you is, were right. Yeah. It is a good push for both of them, but it, for me, it's very confusing at the end, and I would have appreciated the non-sci-fi part of it if they would have just ended it with her escaping and then maybe like figuring out like yes it was an attack or no he was making it up either way would have been fine so uh they could very easily have done one of two things after this movie they could extraordinarily easily have made a prequel made it about uh the girl that was there before megan 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 um that well, Brittany, 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 Megan, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could have very easily done that. 
and in the same aspects had Emmett there helping build the place while he was hiding uh, Brittany off in a separate area. Yeah. Uh, could have very easily been done. They could have very easily made a sequel of uh, Michelle fighting these things. Right. And somehow bring that back to, like, at the end of it, maybe she went to Brittany's family to explain what happened. Uh, they could have done many things, but uh, I'm very glad that they left this as its own thing. They did end up making another Cloverfield movie. It was straight to Netflix. Uh, <laughs> Cloverfield Paradox, I believe, is what it was called, and this was in space. Anytime that a horror movie goes to space, the movie goes to die. <laughs> <laughs> Leprechaun did it. Uh, Jason did it. Cloverfield, whatever. Uh, if you go to space, that means that you ran out of ideas. <laughs> Unless if you, your sole original idea was to be in space. Halloween um, didn't. Halloween didn't do it, but maybe it should. Fuck it. I mean, Let's, at this point. Somehow Michael's Meyer, Myers' house ends up in space. <laughs> and he's there to defend it. Uh <laughs> You know, Resurrection's still going to be worse than that. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, there is some some really bad ones in that franchise. But. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I'm glad that they kept it as its own standalone thing. I still really enjoy this, even though it feels like that ending shouldn't be there. Yeah. Ma- it makes it more of a final girl thing with her being like, let's fight these fucking things. Yeah. So, having that very... Th- last thing in there doesn't make her just feel like a survivor and makes her feel like a fighter mm-hmm. which i like that um so maybe that was the thing it gave michelle her closing arc where she used to run from confrontation like she said right um she now ca- goes that, head on with point. it it, maybe, it gives maybe it that was full her, character arc yeah it's her it's her seal of approval that she can fight this yep and well, that's it. Uh, I really enjoyed the majority of this movie. Uh, very good movie, seven out of ten. Like I said, if you're only watching the first hour and a half of this, it's probably a nine for me. Yeah. Uh, but very good movie. Check it out if you have not checked it out yet. The next podcast is going to be on the Blair Witch Project. I'm looking forward to it, but I also feel like. I'm not going to have the same opinions as everybody has. Not even close, because you're watching this 20 years after it came out. Yeah. Uh, More than that, probably closer to 25. Yep. Um, I'm looking forward to it because it is like a cult classic. It is, 100%. Uh, So I'm going to see if we can squeeze that in tonight, but you're probably going to fight me on it because it's already late. All right, till next time, This is uh, I am Phil. And I'm Stacy. This is the Hard Judge Podcast. We'll catch you next time.